0: That we cut out of the podcast needs to be going into like this one thing.
1: Like this one is this this one fucking audio file. It's liquid gold. The world has changed in the month of March. Here we are to tell you uh, how we're navigating through that. My name's Mike Wolf, along with my co host on the phone, calling in from Cleveland Park, Mr. Kenneth Dedman. What's up, buddy? Hello. Mike, I miss you, man. Miss you, you too, bro. Much. I miss everybody. I miss everybody. Hello, listeners. We miss
0: you. And you miss you. You all miss everybody. We're on the same bus.
1: This is Liquid Gold, a podcast about beverages and all the things you put in your glass on the We Own This Town network. WeOwnThisTown.net. Find us on it. Thank you, Michael Eads. Shout out Michael Eads producing from his. Not home office, but his home, uh, home away from home, where he is still working. That we own this town studios. We are all quarantined and doing this from my my home studio, Liquid Gold Home Studios in Inglewood, and uh, getting the phoner in from Mr. Kenneth Dedman in Cleveland Park. And That's right, coming
0: coming to you from the Liquid Gold office.
1: Also known as my closet. Paul chilling over here, looking out the window. Find us on Instagram at liquidgold_pod. underscore pod. Email us, liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. We own this town.net slash liquidgold. Let me throw a shout out yes. to Jess Matchin, who moved to Atlanta our, and is our uh, art director. Yeah, our art director moved to Atlanta but still working remotely. A pause to shout out our sponsor for today's show golden moon distillery find them at goldenmoondistillery.com this is special because their uh, signature spirit is the golden moon gin which is distilled using the finest herbs spices and botanicals available including wild crafted mint and juniper berries and locally grown herbs and botanicals from the front range of the colorado rocky mountains which is where i'm from the front range baby They are currently open for bottle sales. They're not doing samples right now at the distillery due to COVID-19. They're doing drive-up sales of bottles. You can call 303-993-7174 in the Colorado Front Range area to schedule your pickup. They're just incredible. So they do these liqueurs, these elixirs. They do a single malt Colorado whiskey. And what we're here to talk about today are violets. And the Golden Moon Creme de Violette is one of the best that we have tasted. Their Creme de Violette is distilled using the finest hand-selected botanicals, including blue, violet flowers, and buds. They bottle it at 30% alcohol by volume, which is a little bit higher than a lot of the similar products that you'll find on the market. They do that because the higher proof for them, the higher proof and less sugar, allows for a cleaner and fresher taste. It's great to have them on board for this episode where we really dive in to violets. But check out all they do dry curacao, absinthe, genepi. Incredible. Our friends at Golden Moon Distillery, goldenmoondistillery.com, Golden Colorado, baby. Here we are, Kenneth. Important to mention off the bat here you seem to be recovering from the coronavirus. Now, you don't know that you had it necessarily, but you had the symptoms, you had the fever. It's most likely that you had it, and how are you feeling? I'm feeling great, man.
0: Dealing with allergies, so I feel like the time that I had it was perfect, if I had it. Still supposed to, since I didn't get tested, because they didn't have any tests, and I wasn't going to go jam up with ER. I was managing my symptoms really well. I was really happy to have gone through that last week, as opposed to pollen week this week may have been a different story if there was so much more pollen in the air, but uh, it is spring and everybody's off work, so there's nothing but positivity
1: pollen out there, I suppose. Well, it's good to have a little bit of that when we can, and this is uh, a whole new feature that we're going to be hitting here over the next few months, Garden Teened. You are Garden Teened with the Liquid Gold crew. We're going to talk about our love for gardening and planting things and making drinks with those things. Um, out on Turner Publishing, have to mention, Garden to Glass, Grow Your Drinks from the Ground Up. There's a link in my bio on Instagram from bookshop.org. Book. To, to wrote a fucking book. <laughs> I finally did it. And all the events, the springtime book tour events, are all obviously off, but... We'll th- we'll talk about rescheduling Denver, D.C., New York, Chicago. Eventually, you know, I'll be back. We're taking this time to help people with an escape while everyone's uh, working from home or off work. Our uh, beloved comrades in the restaurant and bar business. We've got some resources to tell you about uh, to help all of us and all of you in this time. The garden for us has always been in nature in general. Has always been a a source of calm and peace. And so we're going to start talking a little bit about more about what we're growing, what we're finding out there. And Kenneth, I think one place we where we can start with a lot of the crazy things that you'll find in your backyard, like chickweed, which we got into a little bit on a previous episode, we talked about it. Chickweed's probably in everyone's backyard, at least in middle Tennessee. You have things like purple dead nettle, henbit, and, the violets that all and the one cool thing about a a lot of these different now not all of them but i would say chickweed violets and even henbit to a certain extent especially chickweed and violets though you get this cool spring english pea flavor under the surface and that's where i think if you want to really get creative and do some cool things with say violets or chickweed there's this pea spring flavor to it all it just tastes like spring it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds
0: me of rye whiskey. Like, really young rye whiskey.
1: Um, oh, wow. Yeah, like, I mean, just basically the pea flavor, Mikey. Violets are jumping out this time of year. They're, they're jumping out everywhere right now. Um, violets, pretty easy to identify. You you don't want to be messing around with African violets in terms of eating them or or ingesting them, but... Your regular old wood violet, which is growing in your backyard probably right now.
0: Everywhere. This is the week for it. Yeah. Popping up every morning.
1: Yeah. Popping up every morning and kind of probably close, starting to close towards the end of the day from the blossom itself. You take a few of those, go inside and wash them off. It's pure springtime flavor. There's a birthday cake taste to it that I always get. One fascinating thing. So violets in autumn. When they come back and they start to flower again, they really don't taste or smell like much in autumn. But in springtime, it's this beautiful spring personified thing that uh, is really nice this time of year. And especially this time that we're going through, it's nice to just have something that's out there that's readily available. That plays kind of a, um, I guess, a minor starring, maybe supporting role in the cocktail culture in general.
0: Yeah, it ushers you out of, well, ideally, in the cocktail scene, at the cocktail bar or at the restaurant. It's the first readily available flower that's growing massively. Like, you really just have to, like, look around while you're on a walk, whistling to yourself, and you, you see them everywhere, and you can you pick them. And uh, But, yeah, like, they're some of the first, like, blooms in the spring, usher in the new cocktail season. They're literally everywhere, and you can preserve them in what I prefer, like, three different ways. You can, uh, make a vinegar out of them. Just get some white distilled vinegar. Dump as many of those in there as you you fucking can. Actually, a lot room in a, like, mason jar for the sheer volume of the violets that you pick. And jar it up. Throw it in the back of your fridge for two weeks you got pilot vinegar. You can use that throughout the year. Put it in a spritzer, put it on top of salads, put it on top of a cocktail later in the year when they're not available as like just a different element to your aromatic profile of your home cocktail sitting there in your
1: robe. We're back. Remember how we used to talk about robes all the time? We're back on to robes yeah, we, because it's We always talk about robes. Robes used to be like a Maybe you'd wear a robe for 15 minutes. Maybe you're going to wear it for 30 minutes. Maybe you're going to have. Three days, bro. Or three days. Yeah. Man, this is like the golden age of robes. I I think at this point, bro, like. I kind of need a kimono.
0: We have to do a robe, and we have to do it well. And uh, we have to keep the price down as
1: well because sharing. Because everybody's fucked. (laughs) No. well, people are <laughs> fucked right now, yes. But like, but also, like,
0: sharing the robe culture is, like, worth it to
1: keep the cost down. Okay, well, you you make a good point. Going back to Violet's, I love the robe talk, but you make a good point that if you're making a vinegar or a syrup or a cordial, and I'll give the uh, recipe, kind of an adapted version of the recipe from Garden to Glass for Violet Cordial. And I've seen a few friends making it lately and I think you make a good point that you do need a lot of violets. It can be a lot of work just, you know It's a lot sitting sitting in your backyard picking violets for an hour. But I think what you're four four feet apart from each other, so you have to really
0: like find a
1: field. Yeah, and I think what you need to do is is do it in stages now because you have all this time like don't spend maybe four hours just picking violets. Like, Just do it in stages, and if you're doing a syrup, you can add fresh violets to the syrup over time as you infuse it, but you do need a lot of violets to get that flavor and to get that color to make it really shine through. You need a lot of them. Take your time with it, and the best time to pick these violets would be in the morning sort of after the dew has faded. Yeah, so like you know, 9 to 11. Mid-morning. Yeah, mid-morning to late morning is probably ideal. And with the lower temperatures now, getting even to lunchtime and a little bit after lunchtime, you're probably okay to, to go out and pick some of these beautiful violets. The heart-shaped leaves is what you're looking for. That's the telltale sign of violets. And the, the flowers, beautifully edible, as are the heart-shaped leaves, um, which don't have a ton of flavor to them, to be honest. But when it's this time of year and they're perfectly in season, they do have that spring kind of English pea-like taste to them. Yeah. So if you really like picking these, or like
0: any of these, any seasonal free ship that we mention, especially when it comes to flowers, if you really get into it, and you you know like you're mobile, so you got like a Toyota Corolla, and and you live in the Nashville area, <laughs> we have a lot of Listeners in the Nashville area. This is where we're broadcasting from, but you can just go up elevation to chase the season for a lot of these.
1: Oh, very these good far. point. You,
0: like, you, you just got to kind of drive east of Nashville, the Nashville area,
1: or the Tennessee Valley. And north. You know, and, and north into Kentucky. The redbud that we're seeing outside, those beautiful pink, pinkish purple blossoms on those beautiful redbud trees, aren't quite. Into Kentucky, quite yet. Um, so, if you do want to mess around with Red Bud, Forsythia is another beautiful one. Forsythia season's nearly getting towards the end here in Nashville. Oh, wait, 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 Mike. There yeah. was one more point that I wanted to make. I'm sorry to interrupt. I love you, dude. I'm love so you excited too. to talk to you.
0: I'm drinking. Did I tell you I was drinking?
1: Yeah. What are you drinking right now?
0: Well, I just finished. Mm. I just finished uh Angel Where
1: have you been? Oh wow. We have our unreleased episode with Andy Wedge of Momofuka Group and Alex Alex no. Birch. Unreleased episode pre coronavirus no. takedown. It's like a relic from another time. I hope we can release it in some sort of form because it's no. like four guys sitting in the same room drinking, one of whom's with from New York, which like God, a week later, we would have been insane to do that. I think
0: that's how I contracted it.
1: Oh, don't say that.
0: (laughs) I think that was it.
1: Nah. (laughs) That was like a month ago. Yeah, but like... You already uh, thought you had it, remember? I thought I had it for basically all of
0: 2020.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's been a rough year. I
0: didn't make my point. There's this thing that's happening with with the violets and w- what makes them amazing at this time of year when they pop up and you actually have confidence that it is spring and, you know, like things are going to be moving forward the year has started and you can, you can start growing all these other things but on nights like this in the spring at this recording, it's kind of chilly outside but the ground is warm because the sun was out a little bit and that is the perfect time to pick your aromatic herbs Mm. Uh, it's it's a function called like thermocybin it's where like the plant is reaching up to the sun but the cold air keeps it like kind of preserved suspended in the air and it's just like it's the perfect time to pick your herbs if you have a huge herb garden as it gets hotter in the summer like you want to wait for those like those nights that like a huge storm blasts through, and maybe a couple of hours. Because like in the south for sure, all the storms come towards the end of the day. But you know, like six hours after that storm, the thunderstorm that hopefully didn't rip apart your house goes through. It creates this vacuum and it sucks all the humidity out, and the plants like get invigorated by the chillier air.
1: And that is the time to clip your herbs. It's primo. It's primo. Yeah. And one thing you can do in the garden teened world that we're in right now is, so I have all this mint that's coming back up, all these different varieties of mint that I grow. I've got grapefruit mint. I've got Tennessee mountain mint. I've got this really cool blue balsam mint that's almost like winter grainy. Uh, uh, some chocolate mint and this, my favorite is the Moroccan mint, which is kind of more like Kentucky Colonel, but it's got a little bit more of that Moroccan mint tea. It's more like the traditional mint that we're all used to, but it is just, there's something about it. But what you can do this time of year as all the mint starts coming back like crazy and lemon balm is you can clip it. As it's coming up young, so as your young shoots come up and they're all once they all get to about, say, uh, four inches high or so, you can start to clip them. And if you're going to be making things later with them, like you could make your own vermouth, you could make all these cordials, you could tincture those young herbs coming up because they're so vibrant, the oils on them are so beautiful, and clipping them at this point is good because they will start to branch off a little bit and uh you're contributing to the some vigorous growth that can come in the summer so think about that as your herbs from last year start to come back that you can clip them and and preserve that flavor by tincturing them or maybe making cordials infusing them however you want but you you are only helping the the growth that's going to come in the next few months what else from the garden, Mike. I've got, um, we're gonna go down excerpt alley <laughs> and I've got this excerpt from Garden to Glass here. You gonna read from your book? Yeah, this, um, hang on, let me grab my coffee. Chapter four, Rhubarb, Redbud, and the Spring Bling. That is really what's going on now as redbud blooms for Scythia. Honeysuckle's about to start coming out. You got dandelions, and you have our beloved violets that we're talking about on this episode. And the chapter begins... The grass outside is still cold, an earthy yellow with little flecks of green, like a punk rocker's hairdo. Looking closer, heart-shaped green leaves abound throughout the yard and garden, soon to give way to bursts of purple as violets bloom and lend the air a perfume-like sweet fragrance that smells faintly of birthday cake. Dandelions roar open and stretch their blossoms like hundreds of little suns, growing taller by the day until they're teed up like golf balls to be smacked by the wind, blowing seeds back into the earth to start the whole dance back up again. Redbud trees show off their pink and red blossoms, so harmonious they appear purple if you drive by fast enough signaling that this spring thing is really on as the neighborhood turns from stark and tangled to vibrant and inspired Forsythia's overflowing branches light up the block like a golden Christmas tree you know, the one that's still sitting in your backyard from a few months ago shrinking into an old brown stogie just begging for an early spring bonfire so that's a little excerpt from the book Plug-a-Palooza
0: you're a great writer, Mike.
1: I'll tell you what. Hey, I appreciate you saying that. So one thing that I thought was really cool as I got into violets over the years and started using them using them in cocktails is the orris root or the iris root, root of the iris flower or iris plant, the state flower of Tennessee. Tennessee state flower. orris root's a botanical in so many gins I'm talking classic London dry gins. Um, it's an ingredient that's been used in distilling for a long time. The reason that it's, that it's used and one of the more special attributes of orris Root is the fact that it smells and tastes like, when it's dried and processed and everything, it smells and tastes like violets, almost on a deeper level. And so, if you can... I know we're all stuck inside and you probably don't want to dig up. I wouldn't necessarily (laughs) recommend you to dig up your iris plant, maybe that you have in your front yard or something. But, it's an ingredient you can order and it's an ingredient that is, uh, with its use in so many classic gins, it can be really fun to work it into a homemade violet liqueur or cordial that you're going to make and... The recipe I give in the book for a Violet Cordial, and I make these because um, part of the audience that I that I was really writing the book for was bar professionals, people in the industry. So I make... Some of the recipes are a little bit bigger in scope. But so this Violet Cordial recipe in the book is one quart organic sugar, one pint of water. So what we're talking about is a two-to-one syrup, 2 parts sugar, one-part water to get that richness we're doing one teaspoon citric acid, one quart of lightly packed purple violets picked in mid-morning and lightly washed, one teaspoon dried iris root or orris root, a zest of one lemon, one sprig of lavender, which is optional, but if you have lavender in your garden and you're going to be making something with violet, you got to sneak a little lavender in there. It's like this little wink, like, yeah, I know... I'm using lavender, and it's super strong. But if you add it in really small amounts to a floral syrup or cordial that you're making, it's a really beautiful element that you can... Let it's like this herbal backbone. Mike. What's that? Let me tell you something,
0: dude. Your cocktail makes me want to sneeze.
1: Well, I'm not to the cocktail yet, but let me just... <laughs> so the you combine the sugar, water, and citric acid in a pot, and you cook it at a low simmer stirring to incorporate and then you and uh and dissolve the sugar you remove from heat and let it cool to nearly room temperature once the syrup has cooled add the violets iris root lemon zest and lavender and refrigerate let the cordial infuse in the refrigerator for a few days ideally adding more violets during that time now when it comes to cordials and making things with fresh flowers i like cold process as much as possible but when you're, when you're working with these spring botanicals like forsythia, violet, and dandelion, it can be nice to also use boiling water to extract more of that flavor. The only thing is you get some of that funk. You get some of that springtime funk when you cook these things down. Um, so you want to be careful with heat when you're working with dandelion, violet, forsythia, things like this. Because the heat can take out some of that pleasant, honeyed aroma. You feel me? I hear you, buddy. Sounds great. With the violet cordial at our disposal, we know that the Aviation, the Aviation is kind of the drink that always comes to mind, the ultimate classic, classic drink. Classic gin. And you have a favorite gin you like to use for it. So tell us about that. Oh, uh, gin, bro. There you go. I didn't even know you were going to say that, but...
0: Are you kidding me? Yeah, only Flemeth Jen. Like, if you're, like, uh, doing anything Jen cocktail in the house, or actually, like, in business, in, 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 like, in the restaurant scene, like, Flemeth Jen is its own style of Jen, and it's the only company that makes the Flemeth style of Jen, which sits
1: basically in between, like, old cons And London Dry. Sure. So the Aviation, the classic Violet cocktail. I think a recipe we could give, two ounces Plymouth gin. This is based on the original, which is really cool because you don't get the sense there's a ton of Violet or Maraschino in the drink, but enough to give this like really nuanced flavor profile. So two ounce Plymouth gin, three quarter ounce fresh lemon juice. Quarter ounce maraschino liqueur and quarter ounce violet syrup or creme de violette or golden moon makes a beautiful violet cordial violet liqueur. And creme Yvette is one of my favorites. I don't know if you want to dive into creme Yvette quite yet, go down that rabbit hole, but creme Yvette is, it's a little bit more complex than some of the um, commercial violet liqueurs that you can buy. Creme Yvette is made from wild strawberries, blackberries, violet blossoms, mainly. And then they use a little bit of cassis and, and some spices to it. I just like the flavor. I think it's a good flavor. I imagine like Cruella DeVille ordering some, like a yeah, lot of it. To, like, to close down her like, dinner. But like room temperature. Like she just wants it to eat in a wine glass. <laughs> we talked about the quarter ounce of each of the liqueurs and then shaking that serving it up it's a cocktail that has almost always been served up and with a cherry and i think if you're going fancy style and you've got a lemon lying around you could do a lemon twist and a cherry that is just yeah i do like a use it like
0: a channel knife on the lemon like so you're zesting it over it and then Drop a little like pigtail in there with the cherry. Kind of eat them, eat them all, like to get like eat this like a brandy
1: cherry. That's what you mean, Mike, right? A brandy cherry. That's right, sir. Yeah. Or a maraschino That's cherry if you just have the jar sitting around the house. And then the, there's a version that I give in the book where I don't give a I don't give an aviation recipe in the book because um, I know everybody can find it and it's a classic, a drink that I would do occasionally. The Pisco Aviation called Jet to Machu Picchu where you do two ounces Pisco, half ounce lemon juice, three quarter ounce violet cordial, a bar spoon of lime juice. You know, I love that like offsetting lime and lemon together, maybe using a little bit more of one or the other or equal parts. So I like to mess around with that, especially with Pisco. Um, and then two dashes of a spring flower bitters, which is in the book. Or you could use say maybe an orange bitter with a drop of orange flower water and yeah, and uh, you shake that up and serve it up and you have this Pisco aviation that is awesome Pisco works so well with uh, with floral flavors so if you're at the liquor store and you're looking for an ingredient that might work in some more floral spring cocktails pisco's pisco's fun to mess around with this time of year
0: I agree. Yo, I got I got another rep on the aviation.
1: Nice. Uh, it's a good thing we're doing a just, podcast about it. <laughs> you just you just
0: you just sub the fucking uh, the recipe for a uh, Hemingway Hemingway Daiquiri. Mm. You throw you just throw Plymouth uh, Navy Strength Gin in that in the recipe instead instead of rum. That, I think that's like uh, that's the Toco move. Matt Toco, the strategic hospitality beverage director, like I think he's like that's like his his jam it was like a few years ago it's a brilliant so
1: Plymouth Navy strength gin yeah and what else grapefruit juice oh grapefruit juice Luxardo cherry liqueur flash of lime juice boom it's like a Hemingway gimlet now I would venture to guess you could use some violet in that and it would be incredible so you could take a stronger gin, do grapefruit juice, lime juice, maraschino, violet cordial. That would be amazing. Yeah, buddy. Well, we just created... And this is uh, this is another feature that we could run on here, spring cocktails that no one will have. Like spring cocktails that would be on a cocktail list at a restaurant or a bar that's definitely not going to be open. So <coughs> we'll call that uh, lost cocktails. So it's a feature... A yeah, try to do, do this, this at, at home. Because you
0: won't do this.
1: It's it's not going on a menu you won't, you this spring. You won't
0: have the opportunity until today, next year.
1: Lost cocktails right here on Liquid Gold while you're sitting at home. Think about the cocktails that would be on cocktail lists of places that you would go, and this would be a good one. The Hemingway Aviation, which could you call that like the the drunk pilot? Yeah. Or the, uh, the drunk pilot. uh, Dude, I got a joke about that. My buddy
0: Kevin, who, he now owns, like, a drone company. Uh, he lives in Atlanta. He was my buddy that was a pilot for Delta Airlines, and he always, like, hooked me up with, like, buddy passes to go overseas. So, like, literally, I would get, like, first-class tickets for Delta Airlines to Europe for, like, $400 and sit with celebrities and shit, get fed a meal and coffee and alcohol the whole time. It was killer. One time one time when he was living in Miami, he decided like it'd be cool if we all rented a plane and flew to Key West, like and we all was like me and him and his girlfriend who was a stripper and one of her stripper friends. So I was like, Yeah, Kevin you do that. I'll buy a I'll buy a bunch of cocaine and, um, got a bunch of cocaine. He gets this like single prop and we fly out of Fort (laughs) Lauderdale to to Key West.
1: Sounds like an episode of Miami Vice. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, it totally was. (laughs) like, so we get down there and,
0: uh, and we like kick it, like fucking eat, like fish in a cabana.
1: Yeah. White suits. You had your white blazer. Or maybe Something light, like a yeah. light no, like, beige? like Dickie's. Yeah, like a Dickie shirt. Okay, that's the, fine. The Dickie suit, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like uh, khakis and Dickie. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like like Dickie's, kh- Dickie's khakis and a white t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And a, and a big old hat. Um, yeah, Don Johnson 90s style. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because <laughs> every decade is so
1: different. <laughs> it used to be. Yeah.
0: yeah, we all, like, like, did a shitload of blow, got a bunch of uh, weed, like, smoked blunts, and drank champagne on the beach. But he had to have the plane back by midnight. He's all like, oh, man, there's no way I could get this plane back. You know, we we got just some strange out there. And his girlfriend, who is, like, pretty strong, she's pretty strong personality, she's all like,
1: drunk enough to fuck, drunk enough to fly, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. As they so, say, uh, <laughs> we, get, we get back in the plane. And he's
0: like, oh, all right, I think I got this. Like, I wish I had coffee. So, yeah, he
1: basically flew, he flew us back. That's so. definitely what you want to hear from your pilot. I, oh, shit. You're throwing the challenge down. Okay, I got this. I wish I had coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Truth it. <laughs> Stories stories of pre-coronavirus adventurous life.
0: Bro, when I, he, he met me at the airport uh, the last time that I went to Ireland, it's like, he met me at the airport on his way home because he flies out of Atlanta, and I had a layover before my flight back to Nashville. And we're like, yeah, let's crush some beers. So like, he met up with me, but he had his pilot outfit on.
1: And he's like, yeah, let's crush some beers. I'm like, bro, you got to change your clothes. But he's like, "Oh yeah, you're right. (laughs) We're we're all homies." So he was just like, down to like, really like, hurry
0: up and crush beers and get caught up and talk about, you know, like the old days, the new days, what we're gonna do in the future and shit. But uh, (laughs) but he was so psyched on that that we almost walked into the airport bar and ordered beers with his pilot outfit on.
1: So, is it time for some... (laughs) Booze news. We're in the quarantine and we're all fucked version. Locked in the closet. Trapped in the closet. Booze news. Yeah, what do you got? What do you got? You got anything? All news right now, dude. Yeah. Yeah, like everyone's reaching for someone to blame. Like someone,
0: something, some entity to blame for for this uh, this virus that's happening. And, like, you know, like you've seen Trump fucking call it the China virus. So he's really tried to perpetuate that. Also, to me, what I find, like, incredibly offensive is the reference, whether it's true or not, because it, it may very well be true, is the reference that the virus came from bats. And,. That may very well be true, but bats are actually, like, basically the mammal honeybees for society.
1: Do you you feel me? You know, like, how we say tequila is unfair? You know how we talk about tequila? Sure. And how much
0: much we love tequila, Mike, and how it's unfair because it's such a perfect spirit. But agave is pollinated by bats. I love that. it's actually one of the only plants that's pollinated at night specifically by bats so that's just like one many many
1: things like well it's amazing that bats can carry all these crazy virus you know viruses and
0: well that's really just more like invading their their territory like,
1: which they're which they're doing in China and they have been doing for for the last 10 years which, If you want to say that this originated in a food market, that's the most accepted explanation, originated at the food market. But there's also a lot of theories out there that that are not really conspiracy theories, that it's just some of these researchers going into these bat caves, pulling these viruses out to study them in labs where they do not follow the most strict... Uh, protocol of sanitization and of wearing gloves constantly and of wearing protective gear, that the virus potentially getting out of one of those labs was very possible. Is that what you sound like? That's what I I think happened, yeah. I believe that it may have been like a culture, a cultured virus,
0: and by that I mean one that was being studied and accidentally released. Quite possibly.
1: And so bats are your friends in some ways, so I agree you can't necessarily blame the bats. I mean, as always with stuff like this, we're to blame. Humanity fucks itself over any chance it gets. I I feel like
0: the air quality getting better and what we have here by the end of this quarantine is a six-week start on climate change responding to climate change. So I think like if everyone can look at it like that, the depression can go away. This isolation depression can go away and you can realize that like, like we're all going to have this fresh push to like a lot of people want to give each other hugs, but they can't, people don't like, especially Americans don't really like being told what to do. But once this is all over, I think we're on the verge of a huge change that would happen, like, once every millennia, really. But we have a chance for that.
1: Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, we'll see.
0: We just revert to the old school and be like, like, hey.
1: May I court thee for Alex, a hug?
0: Alex Birch, may, <laughs> may, I, may I court thou... <laughs> Man,
1: Will thou be available for a hug: In the Hey, Sally, got. do you want to like uh, like shake hands
0: in a, like in a cross pattern? In five minutes? I'll go wash my hands. You go wash yours.
1: We'll shake hands. Yep. My daughter had some interesting things to say about this whole thing. She's almost seven, and she was like, "We've been talking about man, the man. word without, without school. With no school, I've been um, kind of the teacher around our house lately, and we've been talking about the word unprecedented, which I think is – It's she's a little young to learn that word, but I couldn't think of a better word for her to learn for this whole time because I had no wisdom to give her about uh, other pandemics I had been through because I hadn't been through one like this. None of us really have um, – So we were talking about the word unprecedented and she was like, when's the last time something like this happened? And I was like, well, it was over a hundred years ago. It was the Spanish flu, 1918. And that just to tie this all together, that was around the time of when the aviation was created. We talk about drinks that stand the test of time. We talk about on this show about getting creative and about drinking better the luxury for the common person that is the cocktail and that is maybe a simple glass of sparkling rosé. But so the aviation cocktail was created by Hugo Enslin. He was head bartender at the Hotel Wallach in New York, early 20th century. What's his surname again? Will you say his surname again? Hugo Enslin, E-N-S-S-L-I-N, and the first published recipe for the drink appeared in his 1916 book recipes for mixed drinks his original recipe for the aviation in that book published over a hundred years ago which the year it was published was two years before the spanish flu would leave its mark on this world forever as this pandemic is doing now his recipe going back to 1916 called for one and a half ounces of El Bart gin, a popular gin at the time in New York, three-quarter ounce lemon juice, two dashes of maraschino liqueur, two dashes creme de violette, and that's it. And the garnish was, he would shake those up, pour it into a cocktail glass slash martini glass, as folks might know it, and and garnish it with a cherry, and there you have it. People are still making this drink. I always thought it was amazing when we would get calls for aviation because it happens it happens a fair amount. People are like, I want an aviation. And you're like, God damn. Okay. Let's do I'm this. Yeah. yeah. It's also here's a fascinating thing. Okay. So we're going back a hundred a hundred and four years to the publication of this recipe, of this drink, which encapsulates how violets have made an impact on the cocktail world or have made their imprint. Flash forward to 2019, when this book I just put out and Turner Publishing just published, there's a version in there of of an aviation. Okay, so I took a classic cocktail, made a different riff on it using these different floral flavors, but the aviation is in itself, is in itself a variation on the gin sour which was popular you know turn of the century first golden age of the cocktail where it was just gin lemon juice and some sugar or sweetener of some sort yeah it's
0: a variation of the daisy anyway like it's just like
1: the gin sour what i'm trying to say is the gin sour is like the ultimate thing to 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 be creative with Especially with violets where the aviation came from, but like anything spring, you can use the gin sour template, you know, gin, lemon juice, and whatever botanicals you can find to make a syrup with or dandelions or maybe dandelions chartreuse. Huge, like pop on top of the dandelions. Yeah, we'll have to do dandelions next, I think. Let's do that next time on Garden Teened. Oh, one other thing that I thought was pretty fascinating. Uh, Romans, going back thousands of years, would make uh, wine from violets, specifically, and uh, would prepare it in the early spring and drink it in the late fall. Similar to how uh, our folk ancestors dealt with dandelions, making dandelion wine. So these are ingredients that have been around not just centuries, but millennia. This is the time for violets to... Engage with them to see how they taste, to see what they ta- see what they smell like. Which and one other fascinating thing I can give before we break here is that some violets have this tendency to block your receptors. Can't smell
0: anymore once you smell it.
1: Yes. There's a major component of the scent of violets, ketone compound called ionone which temporarily desensitizes the receptors of the nose, thus preventing any further scent being detected from the flower until after the nerves recover. So that's how kind of diabolical certain violets can be. They're like, smell me. Okay, now I'm not going to let you smell anything else for a small period of time. How about that? How about that? That's, that's just the function of like the spring, anyway. When all the pollen is in the air, Buster. I just know. I just know it.
0: Like, uh, yeah, maybe you can attribute it to it to a specific plant to make it sound romantic. But like, it's just the function of the season.
1: Odorata violets, viola or odorata, is primarily used in the perfume industry and can intoxicate one's nasal capacity so much that they can't smell anything else after taking in its intoxicating smell, which is kind of fascinating. And if we're going to tie it into coronavirus, if you're not smelling and tasting anything, that could be a pretty telltale symptom of coronavirus. So we can bring this all together. That's what we do.
0: For a few days. Now I'm like invigorated,
1: excited. Well, this has been a pretty bizarre episode of Liquid Gold, but it's bizarre times. It's historic times. I had yeah, fun talking excited. through Violet Aviation and all the crazy shit that's going on now with you, buddy. And I'm glad you're on the mend.
0: Yeah, I feel great. I feel great.
1: Pause to shout out our sponsor for today's show. Golden Moon Distillery. Find them at goldenmoondistillery.com. They do these liqueurs, these elixirs. They do a single malt Colorado whiskey. They do some really good bourbons and ryes. They do a Kumel. One of my favorite things they do is the Ameripican. So Golden Moon is one of the more authentic revivals of the French bitter Ameripican, an ingredient lost to time, but a great Cocktail secret ingredient. Check out all they do dry curacao, absinthe, genepi. Incredible. Our friends at Golden Moon Distillery, goldenmoondistillery.com. This is Liquid Gold on the We Own This Town Network, weownthestown.net slash liquid gold. And shout out to producer Michael Eads and art director Jess Matchin. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Jess. Love you. Carry on. And uh, this has been a a new feature that we're going to be doing here over the next couple months. Garden Teened right here on Liquid Gold where we get into the garden and into the backyard, into the yarden, if you will, and into some of these ingredients that are coming out this time of year which might provide you with some joy, might provide you with some solace to the craziness going on and might actually lead to some better drinks that you can drink in your own Home. I also think it's cool, Kenneth, that we could we can release cocktails here on the show. So tonight we did the aviation meets Hemingway daiquiri, which we should probably name. We mentioned Toco, so maybe it should be like the Toco Way, like Hemingway, the Toco Way. Yeah, oh, the Toco Way. (laughs) I
0: don't know why why we haven't had him on the show yet, but he's such a cool guy. Like
1: we were close, and the world stopped. stopped all right we look forward to getting into more more of the botanicals that you can use in drinks that are out there and we're going to talk some more gardening stuff and getting out there in the dirt because it's that time of year we all have an open relatively open calendar for april we're going to be having some fun here on liquid gold kenneth i look forward to having a drink on your porch soon we
0: can do that from a distance,
1: no problem. We'll yep. work it out in the next week. And, uh, for sure. For sure. You hang in there, buddy.
0: Yeah, you too. Uh, keep Keep sending updates.
1: All right. Well, we'll see you next time. From my co host, Kenneth Dedman. Thank you. Thanks for all the words of wisdom, buddy. My name's Mike Wolf. We'll see you next time help. on the garden teamed portion of Liquid Gold here on weownthistown.net. Thanks a lot, y'all. We'll see you next time. Keep your chin up.